I'm Suzanne Murdoch and welcome to Series 2 of Powering Productivity. Each episode I explore the energy that connections, expertise and being in your best flexible working environments can bring to not just your business but to your whole life. So let's get started. Welcome, I'm your host Suzanne Murdoch and today I'm excited to be joined by my good friend Russell Zaytab of Silk Mentoring. Russell is an educator and trainer in growth and relations and has vast experience in working with a diverse range of clients around the globe. Now, between you and me, Russell is one of the most knowledgeable people that I know, stop laughing, knowledgeable people that I know when it comes to really helping us identify with our skills and our values and our relationships, both in business and our personal lives. And she can really help us identify you know, how we can use those strengths um, as long-term goals. She's one of those people that has the knack of enabling you to peel back those layers and dig really deep without you even realizing that you're doing it. She's an infectious, energetic and compassionate outlook on life. And I've seen firsthand how this really helps people open up and realize their capabilities and full potential. Russell, I can't wait to talk about your conceptual framework, the self-mentoring empowerment program and all the different elements um, that ebb and flow through this. Yeah. I love talking about the toolkit that really hones in on the nobility aspect. And in particular, I'd like to try and explore how this can really help us sustain our energy um, and our creativity. So welcome. How are you? Very good, Suzanne. You know, after that introduction, I feel like <laughs> the person, whoever you introduce, I want to meet her. <laughs> but joke aside, yeah. You know, we, we forget the things, how we do the things we do and, and the perception of individuals of it. Because on my side, what it feels like, it's just work and it's hard work. You, it's focused work, right? And it's collaborative and it's emotional and it's heartfelt. And yeah, so it feels like more of a friendship, like we're walking together as opposed to, you know, you on that side and me on this side. Yeah. Right. So tell, tell, tell me a little bit about your story to date and how you've got to this point. How far back do you want me to go? Well, keep it succinct. Okay. I can't say that word, but yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Succinct. yeah. Um, all right. I've always believed in the potential of the female. I grew up in a matriarchal society. Once, what was once a matriarchal society became patriarchal and I saw the difference in it, right? But I grew up surrounded by very strong women. So I've always believed in the potential of the female. And I went to school and I did accountancy. However, over time, I shifted towards women's empowerment and leadership. And interestingly, a lot of my um, coordinators or, or female bosses, right? They were really that kind of female that they showed the potential. So there's nowhere for me to go but to rise, right? Or nowhere for me to, to strive for but to expand because that much encouragement. So you have to expand. And I, and I tried my best in that sense. And um, when I was in the University of Delaware, I, I did women's leadership and we trained women in, in the public and the private sector to, to take leadership positions. And it was wonderful. My coordinator was a senator and she was just ex-senator and she was just what, you know, that kind of, I can't even tell you, Suzanne, I wish you could meet her. <sighs> and over time, I, the one thing I realized is when we think about women stepping into a space, 
and trying to claim their, their positions in society and, and impact others and impact their, their own lives, right? There was always an element which I felt was missing and I couldn't put my finger on it. In my own practice, I knew that there was human behavior, right, which keeps me to grounded to treat you as an equal. I felt it was nobility, but I was not brave enough, let's say six, seven years ago, to actually use the word nobility, right? I was not. And uh, I, gained, I gained strength within to actually claim the word for myself because it was already part of my own practice, but to uh, encourage others to also embrace the word, right? And that, that's how it came into the center of the conceptual framework of silk, that we are grounded in nobility, which is, I believe, the highest human capacity. Let us strive to become the best, best version of ourselves so we can actually work together, so we can actually see each other as equals, so that we can you know, collaborate and, and just find sustainable solutions. So I used that. I created this uh, conceptual framework with, um, with the help of other individuals because I didn't divine this all by myself, right? <laughs> no, other individuals helped me think through it and, and it, we, we designed it. When I say we, I drew it out, but it was truly with the help of so many other minds. Mm-hmm. And mobility became the anchor of the entire conceptual framework. And from here, Silk Mentoring uses that as creating spaces of where you and I, for example, can talk. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter my background, but we are noble women together, right? So you look at me through that lens and I will look at you through that lens as well. Okay. It establishes a fundamental equality. That was what I was looking for, right? Because some women are just more educated than others or have more life experience or whatever background they come from. And some feel they're here, some feel they're a little lower, right? So they feel like they're in some place compared to you. I wanted to bring them into equal places, equal spaces, right? Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's interesting. That kind of brings me on to, to the first question, which is really around the word nobility and how that anchors your whole conceptual framework. But I mean, what does it truly mean to you? I know to a lot of people, um, and there's probably still a stigma out there, nobility means you, you've got loads of money, ultimately, you know. A lot of people would say, who do you think you are? You're some nobility. Yeah. Do you still get an element of that? Yeah, that is one of the questions which always comes up. What is the meaning of the word, right? Mm. For myself, it is an umbrella word, which means to say it encompasses so many others, so many of the virtues, human virtues, when we imagine a good person, what does that entail? A human being who is truthful, a human being who is just, who is compassionate, empathetic, and the list can be as wide as your human experience. So all of these fall under, in my opinion, under the umbrella of nobility, because nobility, in my definition of it, is the highest human form. We strive to get to a place where we give back eventually to society, right? So human nobility, more in the sense of human quality, as opposed to the material side, which is a title, right? Yeah. Although all women, I believe, are queens, (laughs) you know, but it's not so much the title and the financial status. It is more about you striving to become that version of yourself. So you actually okay. give them. Right. Yeah. 
to me that makes that makes perfect sense and you use the um visualization of a petal to represent everything all, all, all of the elements of the silk empowerment cycle yeah. so tell me a bit more about about how that works and how you came up with that when we imagine it now um the the whole conceptual framework looks like a flower it didn't always look like a flower it was more like scribbles and then they had to come together into a more holistic way. Um, and I've always worked within circles, concentric circles within each other, because we've, I believe that human growth grows in potential like this, like outward ripple effects, right? Yeah. So within the conceptual framework, you will see a little outward spiral. It's very subtle in it. The center of it is nobility and self-awareness, but not self-awareness in the sense of meditation only or yoga and the things which are associated with self-awareness, more about self-awareness of our nobility so we can propel ourselves into action, right? Mm -hmm. So it's nobility, the knowledge that we are noble as human beings, you and I, and the self-awareness which propels you and I into action, Yeah. And there are four little, they're like sepals. When you think of a flower, they're like a sub, sub petals, sub leaves underneath, underneath it. These are, I, I chose four feminine attributes, which I am sure there are so many in the world, but for the sake of the conceptual framework itself, I was trying to pull in what is gendered, what is not, or what is perceived to be gendered and what is perceived to be not. Places, spaces we have claimed, for example, empathy and intuition are feminine. They're associated with the feminine, right? Wisdom and creativity have histori historically been associated with the masculine, but it's not actually true. We just didn't have the opportunity to, for example, step into the space, right? Mm -hmm. But it is qualities within women already, because, I mean, if you think about it, communities are run mostly by the feminine, so we were using a lot, tapping into our wisdom and very creative in how we dealt with the neighbor, the children, the husband, the work, the farming. So we were very creative. We just didn't speak about it because we didn't have the podium in front of us. Oh, we weren't even aware about it. You right. know, Russell, I, I look at your, uh, the framework and I look at the petal. I actually have it on my desk. And, you know, you have the wheel of life and you think some days you're just a little bit out of kilter. And you immediately look to that, um, the, the petal framework, and you can identify different areas that just maybe particularly one day you're feeling strong about. So authenticity, mm -hmm. creativity, and you know, through the, the, the woman's monthly cycle, you feel different each week, for example. But actually, that really lends itself to how you're feeling, you can identify. And in turn, you can almost decide what projects etc if you're lucky enough to be able to choose you can decide what projects you can work on that week because you can almost predict how how much energy and creativity and empathy for example that you're going to have yeah in my own practice and in my own life there are days like you're saying we are better in one aspect or and weaker in another right so sometimes the creativity just flows and sometimes we just cannot tolerate other individuals being so close to us. So we need to set stronger boundaries. But these are moments when we are not, for example, in balance, right? We don't sleep enough. We have arguments with people we love. We don't eat healthy food. Whatever causes an imbalance in us, 
then we, we, we cannot manage our emotions as well or our mental state as well. We are not in command and in control of ourselves, right? And in those moments, then we are weaker, for example, in the practice of boundary setting. We, we cannot say no to the things we believe we should say no to. So in that sense, I think it is, we have to be very conscious of our own states, right? But at the same time, you are, you are right in the sense of when you see where you're good at, on the days you're good at that, then you might as well use those moments like when you're feeling so creative, use those moments to really create, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And not just necessarily in your personal life. This works, this works the whole holistic business, personal, family life, friends, etc. Yeah, we cannot really, we don't live in isolation. Mm. So in that sense, even in the moments when we feel we are isolated or we feel we're alone, we actually aren't. We cannot see how we impact others or how others look to us because of the things we share or because of the things we do. We, d- we cannot gauge that. What we can only gauge is the extent to the tip of our nose, how much influence we have within the space we, we're actually engaged in. And if we are lucky and we get feedback, right, then we can, we can adjust and realign. Usually we don't get any feedback. We just get a facial feedback. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's harder to imagine, you know? Yeah, but it is, it is. That, that brings me on to the next question. I mean, this month in our podcast, we've been talking around, and our theme generally, we've been talking around the whole sustainability aspect, and not just in terms of low carbon emissions, green credentials, as, as important that is. But I really wanted to talk around how do we sustain our energy, sustain our authenticity, our, our creativity? How does this um, framework really lend itself to that? So the framework itself is like a, an anchoring point for me. No. What, I, what I personally do is I try to, in the moments when I feel I'm slipping, I pull myself back and re-anchor onto the framework. For example, I try to uh, remember I have to be noble, I have to speak nobly, I, I have to be empathetic, I have to be kind. So I look to that to remind myself. And in those moments where I, where I cannot, for example, set a boundary properly, I, I look to that as well and try to see, yes, I have some wisdom. I can apply my wisdom in setting a boundary. However, when we think of sustainability, I think sustainability is about constancy of practice, right? I should never sit back and be, yes, I have reached that point. It's the vigilance of a daily practice where am I maintaining the standards I want to maintain, how do I continue doing that so that the people around me are impacted appropriately? You know, and I find daily routines, it's such a you know, popular thing to do now and to talk about nowadays, daily routines, what are your rituals? But I think ritualization is really about perseverance and about anchoring, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't let go of the discipline of the things which keep you grounded. The okay. thing which keep you noble, elevated. So for example, I, I try to pray as much as I could. And I try to pray, especially in the moments where I'm, I'm shifting. I feel the shift, right? Or I try to, when I'm speaking to someone, I feel it's a little sharper. I try to pull back. So that's a self-awareness practice. I pull back and I, in that moment, try to apologize. So I try to watch the words which leave my mouth. But that's not easy. It's easier said, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you about it. It's easier like this. I'm telling you, yes, I, I manage the way I speak. But I know for a fact, for example, when my children 
talk at me, right? There are moments where I feel like, oh my God. And then I would, I would slip and I would say, please give me the space, go. You know, that thing, that word go is in the mind of someone who's younger is so dismissive, actually. Mm. So when I catch myself, then I have to go to this child of mine and say, I apologize. I didn't mean go. I just, mean, I just meant mommy was so exhausted and I just needed five minutes. Absolutely. Right. But, but, but it, that comes back to the whole boundary setting and the awareness right. of, of what's being said. And, and it's, a, it's a two-way thing. When we look at the different perspectives, the, well, the reflection and the consultation elements of this that you work on, to me, that's been absolutely invaluable because you're, you're looking at different perspective, perspectives, you're standing in different people's shoes. And, you know, that, that brings a huge element of, of nourishing. You've got different, I mean, everyone's going through the same challenges in life. We're fundamentally human, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, different perspectives. So you've got um, the same, probably the same struggles and challenges, but you can look at it from a male, female point of view, cultural point of view, industry background. But ultimately, yeah, we're all human. So this really does feed into to that side of things as well. And I know that through the program, you, you really work on that whole consultation and reflection side. So you right. understand how everybody else might be aware how it might affect them, how right. it feeds into their, their personal life, their mindset, their business. You know, Suzanne, I believe there's a lot of knowledge which, which exists out there in the world and we are not applying it. So fundamentally, in the work that we do, that you and I do, there's an action element which is really the most powerful thing. That conceptual framework, every part of it has to be applied. As we apply it in that moment, we also reflect maybe later in the day also. But we reflect and then we speak to others. I learned this. What did you learn? What do you think? This is what I think. So there's a, there's a social element to it. That, that consultation part where we share our growth, you and I, it goes like this, right? Yeah. And again, and, then, and again, that's the whole energy and yes. to some extent the creativity. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not always easy. You have to keep working on it. Oh, it's yeah. a long-term process. It's a lifelong process. Right. So right. actually, it can, be, it can be draining. But yes. ultimately... It's going to fill those batteries. <laughs> yes. You know, in the, in the process of consultation, it's, it's hunky-dory when both of you are aligned in your principles, right? But when the other person is coming from a completely different social background or social understanding of the world, then you have to give the space to, to come together. And that is where it takes time because you have to be compassionate with them. You have to be loving towards them as they express so that you can find okay, this is your idea, this is my idea, let us bring it together so that it kind of becomes usable idea as opposed to, you know, just knowledge which sits there. Yeah. But that, is, that practice really um, improves our social, our social graces, as, as my mom would use that word, right? The reflection element, so there's action, reflection, consultation, self-study. The self-study is where we all check Google or check wherever we are, our search engines are attached to, and then we see what is the, you know, the background information out there in the world? Is, is this friend of mine telling me, you know, something which is bound to empirical data? Or is, is it pulled out from the ether and, and just shared so fluidly? So we try to anchor into published, published information and knowledge because that is just scientific, the scientific side of our process. Mm. But the consultation part is a social element. The reflection part is an individual practice to constantly be reflecting 
and you go back into always testing the action over and over, right? You can really use this in life. So for example, you know, we can't choose our family and our family might not necessarily have the same. I know we say we're brought up by our immediate family. Generally, you have the same values, but not necessarily. And it's the same in business. I mean, if I've realized through this whole process that you can, you can choose to some extent who you work with if you're aligned to their values. Um, you can use your skill sets, your strengths, et cetera. That's individual. But generally, you find if you can work with people who are aligned with your values in, in business and personal life, it makes it so much easier if you're able to choose. I think choice is is one of those most empowering things, Suzanne. If we if we just allow everyone to take a bit of us, you know, then when you're thinking about what is sustainable, if everyone just takes and you cannot refill your cup, mm-hmm. eventually you will reach a point of utter exhaustion. And then you have to take this very long break, a sabbatical into the mountains. So we're trying to look for this long-term sustenance where we are always functioning at optimal level, right? And choosing the people who we actually work with and because we're contributing to the greater good, that the contribution is more wide. But the people who we collaborate with, it is important for us to choose individuals who are not just empathetic, but who really encourage us and push us ourselves. They help us go beyond what we believe we can do. You know, so they're encouraging, they're passionate, they're driven, as opposed to there are some individuals because they they might need more from us so that we give to them more, but the return to us is not as much, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a mix and match. It's nice when it's reciprocative, right? I give, you give, and we're all like benefiting, but sometimes it's imbalanced. I just give, or sometimes I just take, right? Some people are so full that they're just willing to give and you don't need to give back. So you're lucky if, if you're, you have that arrangement yeah. as well. But I think, I think through this whole process as well, if, if you're open about what you're, you're doing and you're really embracing what you're doing, it has a massive positive trickle-down effect as well Absolutely. on different generations and, and outward tentacles. Yes. You see, Suzanne, um, I love it. You know, the minute you said tentacles right away, the octopus came back into my mind. <laughs> The, but that's how it feels. You can see, you, it, can vision, you can see it yeah. happening and you can feel it. From where you and I sit, we, we reach out and we have influence in the school, some influence in the school system, some influence in the business, some influence in our community, children's life, husband, mostly ourselves, sometimes family. So we have influence like the tentacles of the octopus in different directions, right? This is the arena of most females, right? And we thrive usually in these arenas. We function well. We need to be sustained as well. So when, when I get women together in silk, I always tell them, please don't have the expectation that I am the well of knowledge from which all of you will drink from. The well is all of our collective knowledge together. Our collective experience is what makes it rich for all of us to engage with each other. I have just a bit And then with your little bit and her little bit, all of these little bits together becomes a drop, right? And this is how we we all can can have a glimpse of the drop to all of us um, benefit from it, right? So what I do more than anything else, Suzanne, is I create spaces for women to come together. And I use the conceptual framework 
to keep us anchored so that we don't talk about whatever we want. Because if you, if you leave me to my device, I can just go on talking about, and then, you know, the topic jumps and jumps, but we anchor ourselves into intentional empowerment, right? So that's what the conceptual framework is there fundamentally for. But the practice of it is ARCs, the action, reflection, consultation, self-study. It's continuous and it's, yeah. But that, that concept of giving people space, a particular space to talk about how they're feeling, et cetera. I mean, that's very much how um, in, in co-working flexible workspaces, that's why it's so important to have different environments to give you that, um, well, the, the comfort feeling and the feeling of openness because different days, you feel comfortable in different areas and different environments. And, and that's so important to give your best self to being in, in, in the right yeah. environment. On, on but it can day. be fruitful, right? Yeah. 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 The only place I've been, which uh, I've been to Hub Madrid and Hub um, Geneva. Now I look forward to experiencing your space from the pictures that I've seen. There's a lot of green, there's a lot of, it's open and there's glass and it's lighter colors. I get the sense we step into the spaces that you provide and we will really flourish. It, it, will, it will spark the creative, right? Because that, that's what we're also looking for. Where do we go so that we can find other solutions than we're, the solutions we're already using, right? So we need spaces which are really not just green, but they really bring out this oomph in us. Right. Yeah. And it's not easy, Suzanne, because, you know, you're creating physical spaces or sometimes online spaces. And those are. Yeah, it's, it, it's hard and it's continuously changing because people yeah. technology is changing. So you have to keep up with that. And people need different things, continuously different things. But again, that brings me back to, you know, this whole um, framework that you're working with. It's a lifelong process. You have to keep checking in. Things oh, yeah. change throughout your life, your values Oh yeah, I guess can change your personality changes to some extent yeah. as well. Um, priorities change, and you have to keep checking in with yourself, yeah. with um, with the people in your in your communities, etc. How do how do you you feel about that? How do you explain that to your um you students? How do, <laughs> to my co collaborators? This isn't a, a two hour fix. <laughs> so so I look at every woman as a co collaborator whether in, in whatever space I come into that, into whatever space I, I step into with them, we co-collaborate, right? We grow together, we learn together, we test each other together. What happens, I believe, is we, we grow in maturity also together. So what you and I experienced a few months ago or a, few, a, a year ago, which was how we were anchoring ourselves in the, in the practice of our nobility, I believe has modified because now we are more mature vers versions of ourselves. We have tested, you know, we've pushed boundaries. You've made suggestions to me. I've made suggestions to you. And we, we test each other out. And then we come back and we share information through our consultations, right? So you have become a, a different version of who you were back then. And so have I. So my definition of, mature, of nobility is also slightly more matured, you know? It is more, it's not just more refined. It has more... Um, requirements out of me, right? Initially, the requirements I placed on myself were maybe two or three. Now there are five or six, and I push my limits all the time because that's how we become ver better versions of ourselves, Suzanne. You, you hold, we hold ourselves accountable, but we help hold each other accountable too, 
right? that word there yeah that's so that's so important isn't it yes throughout it's, life whether it's family friends people at work and we can't do it alone Suzanne no. yeah this this concept that I can you know morph into a butterfly by myself is is flawed right so the only way I can do that is when all of the other butterflies around me also expand and they become the butterflies you know because that's how how humanity changes i mean if you think about our historical background we become more self-aware as a race as humanity and our entire communities change right an individual being self-aware by themselves cannot change their community we need more more of us together right <laughs> but i mean there there is hope Things are a lot more transparent with social media and everything's yes. remote. Yeah. So there's a lot more communities out there that we perhaps two years ago wouldn't have been aware of. You can reach people. I mean, if you think back pre-COVID, I met you maybe two years ago now. Yeah, yeah. I would never have thought that I'd be speaking to a group of women all over the globe remotely about yeah. this sort of thing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so COVID really tested us and hurt a lot of us. Yet that one of the benefits of that is we, we truly stepped into the global arena, you know. And in this sense, I, I am thankful for, for that push because there were individuals, I mean, in my community who didn't want to go online, right? And then suddenly they had no option but to do that. So we had to facilitate their transition because that's also what, for example, when you think of flex space, right? Those who want to and they don't know how to, we have to help them come on board, right? Because they want to reach a larger audience or they want to have more impact. They want to help the community. How do we assist them through the flex spaces, for example, that you offer, right? And it's a learning process, Suzanne. I cannot imagine how patient you have to be with, you know, someone like me to learn all of the IT behind this. Because some of us are not so IT you know, skilled. <laughs> no, this is... No, 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 it's, it's true. Sense, right? So, Russell, but, tell me this. Where is your most energetic environment? Where do you love to be? Where do I love to be? Um, I thrive. I thrive when I'm with like-minded individuals who love experimenting in the world, right? Like-minded in the sense of they believe that we, the world has potential, humanity has potential, so let's contribute to that potential. Um, there's the other side of individuals where they, they look at the world like catastrophe. Right? There's no space for change. There's no option for growth. There is that kind of human too. And I find it harder to, to collaborate with them. We eventually collaborate all together anyway. But I thrive in where in spaces where individuals are like, yes, you know, that kind of thing. That's one. <laughs> and also people who I thrive when individuals test me, they say, how about this? Have you thought of that? So there's no fear in the sharing of the questioning, right? Mm-hmm. The way you would push me on the emotional side and or, or on the social side, push by encouraging questions. Think about it from this point of view. So we get that from each other. And that's where I thrive. I thrive also in the spaces where they're very, like when my children are around me, I thrive there as well because they show me a a non-jaded view of the world, right? They still see the world 
with so much beauty in it. And that is the world I really anchor in because we cannot imagine, it's harder to imagine a world which is already destroyed and it's harder to fix that. So we contribute to this image of a more potentially growing world. You know, what's really interesting there for me is when I talk about environment, most people would think about the physical space that they're in, but you automatically go to the people that you're with and the, the values that you're aligned with. That's fascinating. <laughs> no, but, no but, but that's true. It's how, how energy fills different people and the reasons right. behind that. Yes. So even when I work, so if I have a desk and there's somebody with a desk, we can, I can be in different working spaces, but when we're working and it's a thinking thing, I need the quiet, right? But my ideas actually blossom when, as I'm thinking about it, somebody injects, it's like they're injecting a color into it, right? Yeah. And that just expands it. You, you and I talk a lot about trees. We talk about trees a lot and about the rooting of the tree and about the seed of the tree. And because... I function in the same kind of like growth, the imagery of growth that I feel, I, I see it reflected in you. So when I talk about the tree and how we, we see the potential of the tree in the seed, and that when I told you, I shared that story, you're like, yes, I totally get it. You know, I've shared this imagery with somebody else. They're like, I don't get it, which is fine because they don't use the imagery of the tree as a sense of community and growth. They needed something else, right? So to find that other imagery, because you, I needed to connect with other individuals too, it was not always the way I was able to connect with you, right? In that sense. So I think we thrive as individuals in spaces where we are encouraged to expand, mm-hmm. right? So if that's a physical space for some, then it's great for them. It has not been a physical space for me, you know? okay well that's fascinating Russell this has been brilliant so where can people find out more about you you can find me on Instagram at silk mentoring right and I also have a website which a friend of mine is trying to you know bring it to the next level so it's it's a little bit more (laughs) current as opposed to archaic right so it is www.selfmentoring.com. There's a lot of information there. You can also write to me directly or, or call me directly. I function better if you just reach out and then we can find a way to collaborate. Because like I said, Suzanne, I don't look at, at what we call clients as, as clients. It's not a me and then a them. I, I look at, at most individuals as co-collaborators because even if they initially the intention is for them, I also grow with them. Whatever they're going through, it impacts me and, uh, and we find sustainable solutions together. I cannot divine the solution all by myself. This is what you have to do. It has never functioned like that, right? For me. So we, we talk, we find, we consult, and then, and then through the, the reality of their own experience, we find something which is workable for them, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, Russell, thank you so much for your time. It's wonderful, and I, I've loved hearing about the different um, energy and sustainability, and and the way you you the way you embrace that, and the different perspectives. Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, go ahead. How do you sustain yourself? I sustain myself. Actually, yeah, it does come down to the people side, but making sure that I'm with people who I'm aligned with, doing what I'm aligned with, 
and and but then there is the physical outdoor space and the trees yeah that is a massive part of who i am and the children as well obviously and the family yeah so and it's a constant practice for you too absolutely and i i realize when i'm not in the right frame of mind or things aren't going you know they're not feeling balanced yeah i know exactly where i need to be even if it's just for 10 minutes i have to go outside i have to be with the right people yeah. and sometimes it's just being by myself yeah but i think it's being aware of how you are at any one time and how you can actually get those quick fixes yeah quickly top up those batteries yes quick fixes help us go through the day but yeah. when we think of long term that quick fixes don't really find they're not no, it's, in it's a just constant ch- constantly checking yeah. in for me yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but thank you and we wish you all oh. the Thanks for listening and don't forget that all the episodes and links are on our website, thehubnewry.com. While you're there, you can stay tuned with what we're up to by subscribing to our mailing list. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again for being here. Powering Productivity is presented by me, Suzanne Murdoch, and produced by Emily Crosby Media.